It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Kennedy. I'm Bill Hemmer. I'm Harris Faulkner. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. I'm Eben Brown. The UN Secretary General seemingly takes a side as Israel continues pounding Hamas targets in Gaza and Hezbollah in Lebanon. And the world wonders what will become of it all and what will the U.S. do to help ensure peace between Jews and Palestinians in the Middle East. It has the potential to metastasize into a three-front, even four-front war for Israel. Uh, And that is an extremely serious situation because Israel doesn't have a lot of friends that are going to provide for for their defense. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Israeli forces fired back upon Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip again today following another barrage of rockets fired from Gaza at central Israel, including Tel Aviv. And in the United Nations Security Council, the world body's secretary general appears to take one side over the other. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence. Antonio Guterres drew intense criticism from the Israeli side. The country's foreign minister and ambassador canceled a planned meeting over it. Ambassador Gilad Erdan. The secretary general is responsible for spreading a blood libel. There is no clearer proof that the UN has become a stain on humanity. The terror justifying secretary general must resign. He must resign, and he must do it today. But for those watching this problem play out over decades, they know how the UN and Israel often entangle. Sadly, I'm not surprised. I wish I were. That is disgraceful that the same kind of creeping, fashionable anti-Semitism that has infected American institutions of higher learning American media and even even the Congress is is so present at the United Nations. Victoria Coates is a former deputy national security advisor working under former President Trump. She helped to negotiate the Abraham Accords and the Trump era proposed peace to prosperity plan rejected by the Palestinian Authority. She's now with the Heritage Foundation. For the secretary general to place any blame on Israel for the savage murderous rampage of the Hamas terrorists on October 7th is is just disgraceful. And I think the secretary general should look in the mirror. He's the one who's been directing those UNRWA schools in Gaza that had to play a role in teaching those young men to hate so violently that they could do what they did, those savage attacks. And I think he should resign. And I think until he does resign, the United States Congress should cut off all funding to the United Nations. That is something that the previous administration had uh, had toyed with, I think, uh, and you were a part of that administration. There was a significant funding cut, I think, to UNRWA, which is the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for what they call Palestine. 
what we've known for quite some time, and I, I don't think it's ever truly been a secret, except maybe in the English language, that uh, UNRWA money is used to uh, create indoctrination schools where they teach children in Gaza uh, essentially anti-Semitic material. How effective was that policy under the Trump administration uh, to uh, to limit that funding or, or cancel that funding? Yeah, no, the, the cancellation of funding for the Palestinians happened after President Abbas of the Palestinian authorities really hate-laced, uh, disgraceful speech to the United Nations in September of 2017 because President Trump had thought that they had had a good meeting at the White House, uh, and w- but was shocked by the virulence of his, his savage rhetoric. And under U.S. law, if, if, if a country engages in that kind of activity, you are you can suspend aid to that country. And so that's what the president did. And that included funding for all the funding for UNRWA, which operates schools in Gaza. And those are some of the worst. And we could talk about those, but also in West Bank and also in Jordan at the Palestinian refugee camps there. So this is a larger problem of these populations that are being served by a terribly corrupt. There was just a huge corruption scandal at UNRWA. Uh, but then also, as you say, just viciously anti-Semitic. Uh, you know, I've seen the textbooks. I've seen what they say. And the UNRWA excuses, oh, you know, we have to we have to reach them. We have to you know, talk to them in terms they understand. Well, you know, if you're going to talk to them in those terms, you should not be getting U.S. tax money. Let's talk about those textbooks. I think a lot of people don't necessarily know what's in those textbooks, but you you have examples of what's in them. Well, I mean, it's 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 a broader history of the Holy Land, what you think of as the Holy Land, uh, that that goes back very much telling the Palestinian narrative that they are the original settlers, that Jews are the interlopers, and that that the the ancient history of the Jews is to- totally erased. So things like King David, uh, inconvenient truths like that are removed. And instead, they basically talk about how uh, the Jews came more or less after World War II and just took their land and have been uh, systematically persecuting them ever since and keeping them in basically uh, you know, sort of enslavement camps and taking their ancestral lands with absolutely no uh, acknowledgement that this is, is actually the ancient homeland of the Jews. So that's probably the nicest part of it. Uh, other, other aspects of these, these textbooks get into things like cartoons of a, of, a, of a Mickey Mouse-like creature that goes around and tells small children how to kill Jews. Uh, so it, it really is indoctrination from the earliest age that Jews are not human and that the the best thing a Palestinian can do is kill Jews. And that's you know, something that I think the Biden administration was hoping that their resumption of aid, and they've given some billion dollars over the last two and a half years uh, to both the U.N. vehicles and directly to the Palestinian Authority, to, you know, to support the Palestinians. I think their hope was that this would somehow make them feel, you know, more friendly toward both the United States and Israel. But obviously it had the opposite effect. We did not have this kind of spectacular terrorist attack during the Trump administration. And we had it after they were given a billion dollars in U.S. taxpayer money. Uh, so I think you can you could draw a direct line there. If you give them resources, this is what they're going to do with it. 
people who are working in the in the global security arena, such as yourself, you, you may not be surprised. But I think the average American is surprised to see that this is is really looking to ramp up into a regional, if not extra regional conflict that would involve Iran and Russia and the United States. And we already have our our Navy in, in very close proximity to the things that are going on. Um, how how quickly is this going to get out of control? Uh, I, I know that sounds like a kind of a hyperbolic uh, question, but I, I, I'm not quite sure it truly is. No, I think, unfortunately, we're dealing with very, very serious circumstances here. And in this, in this case, uh, it does go back squarely to Tehran. Uh, this was clearly financed, uh, equipped, directed ultimately by the Iranian regime. And as you mentioned, it does have connections to both China and to to Russia, because Russia is, is buying a lot of drones from uh, from Iran and supplying them with missile technology, while China is basically acting as the banker here, buying over a million barrels of oil a day from Iran, and the Biden administration is not enforcing the sanctions on that, so it's happening basically unimpeded. Uh, so Iran has also been the recipient of much, much more money over the last two and a half years than the Palestinians, and they've used that to augment what the Palestinians have to allow for this kind of attack. And now they're saying that they are very ready to uh, to activate their uh, their proxies in, in Lebanon, Hezbollah. We've already had to intercept uh, missiles coming out of, of Yemen and their Houthi allies. And we know from the events over this summer at, for example, the, the refugee camp Jenin in West Bank, that, that Iranian proxies had basically taken over that camp from the Palestinian Authority, which couldn't even uh, provide security there anymore. So, you know, what's left of the PA may not be able to control this, even if they wanted to, but it has the potential to metastasize into a three-front, even four-front war for Israel. Uh, And that is an extremely serious situation because Israel doesn't have a lot of friends that are going to provide for th- for their defense, uh, that, that this is going to be a United States-led effort. And so I think we need really clear and unambiguous support for Israel out of, out of the United States. We're speaking with the Heritage Foundation's Victoria Coates. She is a former Deputy National Security Advisor for former President Donald Trump. On the ongoing violence between Israel and Hamas, and the world's reactions to it on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. We'll have more straight ahead. You talk about Israel having friends. You know, the past couple of years, I would say Israelis and even Jews worldwide, I know specifically Jews here in the United States, have been very enthused by the Abraham Accords, the idea that normalization had been reached uh, between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, and between Israel and Bahrain, and Israel and even Sudan and Morocco. Uh, and that uh, th- this wasn't just simply, okay, we'll have embassies in each other's countries and we'll talk once in a while. We began to see true cultural exchange, economic exchange. Um, and I think there was a lot of uh, enthusiasm, there was a lot of joy uh, to see that. Uh, those Abraham Accords nations have been eerily silent over the past couple of weeks, uh, at least um, in in their outreach to Israelis. There has been no uh, consolation or expression of, of condolence to the Israeli people from the Abraham Accord nations. 
That is, I, I think, peculiar and troubling and disappointing to a lot of people. You, I believe, were also involved in, in, in part of the negotiations for the Abraham Accords. Are you shocked by this or are you disappointed by this? Well, I'm certainly not shocked. Uh, and sure, there's a little bit of disappointment, but I would point out how very different this response has been from previous ones where you've had Arab nations you know, joining in the attacks, the military attacks on Israel. And so, you know, it would be nice if those countries, you know, decided to step up and, and you know, actually denounce the savagery of Hamas. But I think Israel's pretty used to things not being nice in the Middle East. What they really need is those countries not to cancel the Abraham Accords, not to, uh, not to, you know, provide material military support to Hamas uh, and and to realize, as, as I believe they do, you know, this is an Iranian attack and the uh, Iranians don't particularly like the Sunni Arabs like the Saudis or the Emiratis uh, any more than they like the, uh, the Israelis. So I think the muted is probably pretty much what we could have expected at this point. And I would try to to retain the hope that we had in the Abraham Accords, that they can lead to much broader cooperation over time. I think the last question that most people would have at this point is, what happens after Hamas? I mean, I, I don't think Israel would have too much of a difficult time just getting rid of Hamas. The, the, you know, the, the impacts from beyond uh, Israel's borders, from Hezbollah or Iran, would be more difficult. But let's just say Israel conducts its ground operation, it, it rids Gaza of Hamas. Uh, what happens next? Israel, I can't imagine they want to occupy Gaza again and try to nation build. Certainly they've learned that lesson from the United States. That doesn't always work. Uh, so what is what could could happen in the future in Gaza? No, it's, it's, it's a very thorny question. And unfortunately, there's no good, neat answer to it. I think that you know, what, what we see here, what was so exposed on during the October 7th attacks, is that the desire to eradicate the Jews from the Holy Land is still what uh, the pioneering Zionist Ziv Jabotinsky would have called Plan A for the Palestinians, and that they, in, until they're convinced that, that they're not going to get to Plan A, that the Jews are a permanent presence, that Israel's not going to cease to exist, uh, that 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 they're always going to stick with that. But if if they are convinced of that, they might be able to get into a mindset where there's a plan B. There's some kind of peace deal that's possible. Right now, it's not. Jabotinsky wrote about this a hundred years ago, and he wasn't too hopeful in 1923 either. But he was hopeful in the long run. So I think, for the United States perspective, that's why. Uh, the really uh, just full-throated, unambiguous support from the United States, that it is clear that the United States is not going to let Israel cease to exist. That's the one thing we can do that would truly convince the Palestinians, you know, that, that they are not an equal party in this anymore, not after what they did. And they are not going to, you know, destroy Israel in order to, to you know, create some sort of a Palestine between the river and the sea, as they're so fond of chanting on, on American campuses. 
so that's that's really the critical role for the United States. I think the way we can pay, play the most positive role. And however, ironically, that's the most positive role for the Palestinians who have to get out of this cycle of violence and self-destruction and suffering. And that's the only way I can see it happening. Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Donald Trump, now with the Heritage Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.